You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? Trent Rush here, and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. we got a fun show today uh, because we have so much news in baseball with uh, a season now coming here for 2020, which is very exciting. I, I know that there was a lot of ugliness uh, that we saw across the game for the past couple of months, but, uh, you know, no, no time better than now to kind of put that aside. Let's look forward to what's to come, and that is baseball here in 2020. Uh, that's supposed to start towards the end of the, the month of July, which is good news. And we now want to bring on some familiar voices, and you guys have not heard them together in a while, but the great radio broadcast team, the Angels have with Terry Smith and Mark Langston joining us now just to have a little roundtable discussion and, and talk about all things uh, Angels baseball and baseball in general just kind of a state of where we're at right now and what is to come so fellas appreciate you joining me uh terry i just want to get to you first what was your initial reaction and, and thought to uh, hearing that a baseball season would be played this year well extremely excited trent the, the thing that has been disappointing though is that it's taken so long for us to come to this point but uh be that as it may we know there's going to be baseball opening day will be on the 23rd or 24th of July, so that's less than a month away. Spring training is going to, you know, spring training 2.0, if you will, will begin <laughs> very early next month, and then uh, we'll have a, a very short season. We'll have about a nine-week season, a 60-game season, and it'll be kind of geographically divided for um, you know the three divisions in each league, but. I'm really excited that we can talk baseball. We know we're going to have a season, even as short as it's going to be, and and hopefully it's going to be a a neat little ride. There's going to be a lot of differences with a 60-game season from the rules, from the number of players. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit later, I'm sure, but I'm really excited that we're going to be able to have a, a 2020 season. Yeah, Terry, I mean, that was kind of my thought, too. Like, as frustrating as the whole process had kind of been, at this point, I, I think it, now I, I'm really looking forward to what's to come, and definitely I'm excited about it. And, you know, Mark, I, I would imagine uh, you're probably thinking the same thing, but just what were your thoughts as well about knowing, okay, it's time to gear up and get back into baseball mode? Yeah, I was like, Terry, it just was on that roller coaster ride where you're riding it up and down. One day you thought it was going to get done. One time you would hear one of your buddies say, take it to the bank. Uh, and then the next day you would think it, see it unravel. So uh, it, to the point to where you're excited that they were finally able to get together and get this thing figured out. You always hate when there's negotiations involved, certainly under these circumstances. Uh, the normal CBA, those kind of things go on. But when you had uh, this occur, this pandemic occurred, and right at the time where the season was about to kick in, uh, you were I was just so happy to see these two sides able to get together and go, guess what? 
we got to kick it aside. There are no winners. There's no losers. Let's just play baseball. They were able to finally get that done. 60 games. It's now a sprint. It's not the traditional marathon anymore. I don't want to dwell too much on the, the negotiations and getting to this point. I think we got to touch on it briefly, uh, but then I, I do want to move on. But, Mark, as somebody that has been a player rep in the past, um, back in your playing days, can, can you just give us a little insight about what having that position is like and, and maybe just a, a touch on kind of what goes on behind the scenes and, and trying to get ready you know, to play baseball and coming to an agreement? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a different scenario than a normal CBA, even though a lot of things look very similar to that. Uh, so I didn't look at it uh, from that standpoint. I always looked at it, man, let's get this deal done and get to the other point. But with that being said, negotiations are negotiations. Both sides have situations that they want to look at, they want to protect, they want to really get involved in that. Uh, and it's just not that easy, 750-type uh, or so players involved, you've got the owners with different agendas. So there's a lot of moving pieces that have to line up in these type of things. And a lot of times there's so much stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you don't know. I was the player rep for the Angels in 94. There's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see publicly or you're not hearing publicly. And that was my whole hope internally going, yeah, I see this stuff publicly. It's not good, the stuff that's coming out. But you still have that uh, light internally that's going, you know, I know there are things that are being discussed and there, there definitely uh, will be a season at some point. Yeah, sometimes the headlines uh, look a little worse than what reality actually is. But in regards to what's to come here in this 2020 season, uh, Terry, a lot of rule changes, and you, you talk about the universal DH that we're going to see in the game this year. You talk about extra innings, having the runner at second base, the changes to the roster structure, the schedule. Everything is going to be different here in 2020. What were some of the rules that jumped out most to you, and, and what's your reaction to some of these changes? Well, uh, Trent, the one that comes to mind, and, and you mentioned it, was what's going to happen in extra innings. Um, extra innings will have a completely different look than – MLB fans are accustomed to. Fans that have gone to minor league games the last two seasons are going to be familiar with it, but not at the major league level. And, and once the game is tied after nine innings, when the tenth inning begins, there will be a runner at second base. When the inning begins, there will be no outs. The, the runner who will be put at second base will be the last batter who is out the preceding inning, or you could pinch run for that guy, and then he would be out of the game. But that's and when that runner is on at second base to start the inning, obviously there are no outs. So the, the reason that rule was installed in minor league baseball, kind of a test case. I mentioned they've done it for two years, and now they're going to do it in the regular season here in MLB for the very first time. And this could be a rule that I think eventually becomes you know widespread throughout all of professional baseball. It's also done in in amateur baseball to some degree and. And so we'll see how it, it turns out here in 2020. So that's one that, that, that obviously jumps out at me. Um, you know, there, there are some other things that are going to be happening. Obviously, the, the roster sizes, that'll be a rule change for at least the start of the season. Each team will have 30 players on their active roster when the regular season begins. Two weeks into the regular season, that number will drop to 28. And then two weeks later, so roughly a month into the season, you'll be back to 26 players, which was supposed to be what the whole 2020 season was going to 
be had we not had the interruption. Um, they're they're going to do some other things. Um, you know, in the past, the trading deadline was the 31st of July. Well, when the season this year is going to start a week before that, you're not going to have a trading deadline a week into the season, so they'll push that back roughly a, a month into the season. Uh, you'll have to um, have a, an extra pool of players. We can get into that each team. I think this Sunday will announce a 60-man roster, if you will, and those will be the only players that you'll be allowed to use during the, the, the course of the regular season. And again, only 30 of them will be activated when the season begins, and that number will drop, as I mentioned. So you'll have, in effect, a, a taxi squad, and then those players will continue to work out somewhere uh, during the uh, course of the regular season, so they they kind of stay in, in, in game situation shape and things like that in case you have injuries or uh, players, uh, you know, God forbid, uh, contact the the COVID-19, or there could be players leaving for personal reasons. I, I fully expect that Mike Trout will be leaving sometime in the month of August because that's the, the due date for uh, the Trout's first child. So uh, the Angels are going to be minus Mike Trout on, on um, you know, paternity uh, leave, so to speak. So those are a few things that, that, that come to mind uh, off the top as far as how the game is going to kind of morph into a little bit of a, uh, a different look, um, you know, here in a very short in 2020 season. Going back to talking about the, the rule with the runner at second base for extra innings, I, you know, I, this is a rule for me that I think is, is complicated for how I feel about it because on one side I'm a traditionalist, and I think I kind of fall where Joe Madden falls, where he's like, yeah, I'm a traditionalist, but if this is what it takes to get baseball back, then okay, this is kind of what we got to do. But at the same time, you know, you guys know being a part of these long extra inning marathons uh, can be brutal, not just for the game itself, but I think back to last season, remember in late July, the Angels had, had that big winning streak coming out of the All-Star break. They were playing good baseball. That series against Baltimore, it was like a 15-inning game, and, and Griffin Canning had to pitch in that game and they couldn't go the next day and it wasn't really right after that. All of these things, that was a game, that a long extra inning game, that turned into a spiral of a lot of losses coming after that. So that had serious effects, I think, on, on last season. Definitely stopped some momentum. Mark, I would like to know kind of where you fall on some of these rule changes as well. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, to determine a win or a loss in a major league season, I'm not that... I would go with Joe Madden, and because I'm, to me that there's if you want to get to the point to where you want to play 12 innings, you could do like hockey. There's a tie at the end of it, and and go that direction. To me, that is I would take that more than putting a runner at second base to determine the outcome of this ball game. Uh, with that being said, it's going to be an interesting new strategy that the the bunt, which we have seen completely eliminated, I think is going to be. Uh, you're going to see in this next three weeks as these players ramp up and get ready for the season, you're going to see a lot more bunny drills in play here because if you do get to that point, uh, that's going to be critical to be able to move that runner and get him over to third base with less than two outs to try to get that run in. And obviously if that happens, you can almost see how it's going to play out. You're going to see the next two guys intentionally walk to try to get a force play. Uh, so to me, I'm not a fan of it. I'm, it is what it is. We move on with it. The fact that we got baseball back, it's uh, it's the least of my worries as far as 
as the game of baseball, though. I, I am not a big fan of that at all. Yeah, and, and that you know that makes a lot of sense to me as well. I will say I do think if, if one team has an advantage, it probably would be the Angels with the amount of time that Joe spent with this group working on situational hitting and, and having the lines out there on the grass and, and doing all these things in spring training. I think the Angels might be one of the rare teams in baseball that could be equipped to handle this, particularly uh, in the American League. Uh, when it comes to maybe some of the other uh, rules that are out there in, in terms of setting up the roster. Mark, what do you think the Angels end up doing with Joe Adele? That's a good point. Certainly he'll be part of that group, the, the 60 group. Uh, whether or not he's going to be part of the original 30, as Terry mentioned, for first two weeks, there'll be a roster of 30, then it dwindles down to 28, and then they'll finally finish after in two-week increments to finish with 26, and that'll be the, the set roster all the way through to the end of the season and into the postseason. Uh, you know, I can see Joe Adele for sure potentially being on that 30 right out of the gate those first two weeks. Uh, it, it To me, it, it's all hands on deck. So Joe Adele, a very gifted athlete, so many things he's capable of doing now. Is he going to make stay on that roster after the first couple of weeks? We'll see. Uh, the Angels, again, if you kind of look at their lineup, Still pretty right-handed dominated from the standpoint of the the three lefties that I'm kind of looking at with Brian Goodwin, Jason Castro, and Shohei in that lineup. You know, uh, that is, to me is going to factor into it. Obviously, Tommy LaStella and David Fletcher will kind of get their reps in there too. So it, it'll be interesting to see where Joe Adele, a very talented young man, is he going to be part of uh, – at least the the opening 30-day man roster uh, because he definitely will be part of the 60-man group. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. And, Terry, I know that one thing that I kind of saw out there was, well, you can talk about, you know, the loss of a year, you know, putting a year early and, and dealing with the arbitration stuff down the road. All of those rules could change in the next CBA. So that might not even matter for Joe Adele this year to, to, to burn him early, I guess, is what some people that would say, hey, you don't want to use him for that. Uh, that could go away entirely, uh, or at least in some respects, when the new CBA comes after the 2021 season. Uh, but I, I also kind of wonder your thoughts on, look, if there's if you have a prospect that probably does need some more at-bats at the AAA level, and you're trying to find a place for him to grow and develop, in a year like this, when there really is no AAA, maybe that is at the major leagues. Is there something to that, you think, Terry? Well, I, I think so, Fran. I mean, obviously, as you guys have mentioned, when the season begins with the 30-man roster, you, you might have on that 30-man roster, at least for the first two weeks when you can carry 30, you might have like a, a specialty player. And what comes to mind to me is you might decide uh, on – who's the fastest runner in your organization or, or the best base dealer in your organization. And that guy just might be on your roster at least to start the season because, again, in such a short season, it's so important to get off to a good start that somebody with plus speed could, could certainly impact a game and, and turn it into a win for you just from that speed standpoint alone. So, um, you know, I think a lot of things are going to be looked at as far as the construction of the of the roster when the, when the season begins. I mean, Joe Adele was 
is a fast guy. He he could maybe serve in that role, although he hasn't to this stage of his career been a, a real big base dealer. I think in time people think he could be a, a 20 stolen base guy, but there, there might be someone else that the, that the Angels just feel, hey, this guy, because of his speed, and, and the Angels actually uh, drafted a, a guy uh, in this recent 2020 draft out of Canada who has unbelievable speed. I'm not saying he's going to be on the, the opening day uh, roster, but, uh, you know, the stranger things have happened where you could get away, since it's a bigger roster, having a, a specialty-type player on that roster when the season begins. And maybe, as I said, that guy could impact a, a win or two for you just because you put him in as a, a pinch runner and he scored what turned out to be a big or winning run for you in any given game early in the season. Yeah, that's a really I got a point. perfect guy for this, Terry. As you mentioned this, I was thinking about this in my head. Uh, and he is a free agent. Usain Bolt Man. is available. So uh, <laughs> a guy a guy with tremendous speed that can make an impact. Uh, I agree with you. And with 60 games and only 60 games, everything is you, – you cannot get off to that bad start. You have got to jump the gate and get out of that gate quickly. So I, I think you're going to see teams way more aggressive in the little fundamental things than they normally would. Well, I thought Joe brought up a good point on that call that he had with the media that we heard just a few minutes ago, talking about how, hey, you know, when it comes to the rotation, he may have a little quicker trigger when you know, talk about pitching because you have to treat almost everything like it's a playoff game, and every game means that much more. Every pitch means that much more. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting to see, too, and those are a lot of really good points you guys are bringing up. But I think about, you know, it kind of seems like the Angels could be headed the six-man rotation route again with Shohei Otani probably pitching once a week. Um, Mark, how do you feel the Angels are equipped to handle a six-man rotation with uh, the, the roster as it is at the moment? Yeah, I, I think they definitely can absorb the six-man rotation. But with that being said, you have to look at things differently. And I know Shohei uh, is, the, is the, the one big thing that everybody's going to stare at. And obviously with the season starting when it's going to start, you're going you're gonna to maximize what you're going to get out of Shohei. Now, is it going to be that once a week? If you map it out, if you stay on five-man rotation, those guys are going to get 12 starts. You've got to figure these guys are going to get somewhere between 10 to 12 starts. Shohei is the one guy that how are the Angels going to use him? Is it going to be that, that one time a week like we saw in his rookie season, or is it going to be, hey, we need him? Oh, he's such a dynamic player for the Angels. Maybe we are, are going to see uh, a little different from Shohei. Certainly maybe early from the standpoint that these guys aren't going to be able to rack up the big innings early. They're only going to have three weeks to kind of crank this up. So maybe you're going to get Shohei, you know, four innings out of Shohei right out of the gate and can bring him back on those five days. Uh, but coming off of Tommy John, they're going to be extra cautious with Shohei any way you look at it. But he is such a dynamic and impact guy. You, you are going to need as much Shohei Otani as you can get. Yeah, you have to find ways to get him on the field as often as possible, whether it be as a, as a hitter or a pitcher. I mean, if the Angels want to contend for a championship, and, and look, I don't want to hear anybody say that this season would be diluted. Everyone's going through the same things, and you're, everyone's trying to compete, and everyone's trying to win. Uh, but in, in talking about some of the pitching still, Terry, you mentioned the Angels draft a few minutes ago. 
Their first-round pick, Reed Detmers, is somebody that everyone says is close to major league ready. Do you think there's a chance that he could end up on that taxi squad with the possibility of maybe pitching this season? I, I think there is, Trent. I think when, you, when you're talking about the, the 60 players that you'll have protected when, when you get things started here, and I guess that has to be announced this coming Sunday, uh, I, I think there, there's a, a real strong uh, possibility that uh, um, Reed Detmers is going to be on that 60-man squad. Now, whether or not we ever see him, we'll see him in some intra-squad games, I guess, if he's one of the 60. Whether we see him in the regular season, uh, you know, I, I'd say maybe it's 50-50. I don't think there's any chance that he'll be on the, the 30-day opening day regular season roster. But, you know, anything's possible. I, I, I think... Because this season is going to be so different, you, you clearly have to think out of the box. And, and I'm sure that, that every one of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball would, would agree with that statement. So, you know, something might appear to be a, a kind of a surprise when the season begins. But then when you, you kind of step back and take a closer look at it, again, this season is going to be so different than anything that, that anyone in the game right now has ever experienced that. Um, you know, the, the, the normal norm isn't going to be what the 2020 season is all about. So, um, I, again, I, I would just caution fans, uh, there's going to be so many different aspects to this season. Uh, you know, we, we can even talk a little bit about, you know, the, the opponents you're going to be playing. That's going to be completely different with a 60-game season. You're going to play 40 games in division. You'll play each of your division foes 10 times, and then, you know, the, the the West will play the West, the Central will play the Central, and the East will play the East, and that's it. I mean, the Angels aren't going to play the Red Sox or the Yankees or, or uh, you know, any of those teams that fans have always liked to come out to see the Angels uh, face at the Big A. There's going to be no fans at the stadium. We can certainly get into that as well. It's going to be a, a, a very eerie uh, situation for guys to be playing at empty stadiums. It's going to be weird that uh, because of the – the, the COVID rules that are in place, the health rules for this season, uh, players, you're not going to be seeing any hugging going on. You're not going to be seeing any high five. A game is over. You win the game. And, and I'm going to be curious the first regular season game to see the, the reaction of the players. Maybe, you know, they'll be pointing up to the sky or maybe they'll be giving thumbs up or what they're going to be doing. But it's not going to be the, the traditional type of celebration that we're all accustomed to. Uh, when it's when a team wins a game so uh there, there's going to be a new normal uh, certainly in major league baseball this season and i'm i'm kind of anxious and eager to see how it all plays out yeah it's going to be fascinating to see kind of the dynamic there and, and terry i do want to get to some of that stuff you mentioned in a minute but mark i'm just trying to like if you could just from like a player's perspective you're trying to get ready for this season unlike anything you've ever done before like if you were still playing what would be your mentality right now about getting ready uh for this season well you know you had if you're a player you have to know that the clock was ticking there was going to be a pretty much drop dead point that was the they were approaching quickly so you knew that 60 games, once you saw that 60 games come into play as a player, that's kind of like rings the bell going, all right, we're close. That's up from where they were, the 48 to 50 games. Uh, so that right there should have got you up and running and really started to get the intensification of your workouts to another level. And that's the prep stuff. And then once they get there, it's, you know, you got to 
to really put the blinders on and try to, to ramp it up. And it, it's going to be uh, 1990. We only had three weeks of spring training. So it was uh, a situation to where we had to get things going quickly. The, the interesting point, too, will be the, the, the spring training that the Angels are going to do, as Terry mentioned, 2.0, it's going to be inter-squad games. And it's so difficult. I'm telling you from a player standpoint, so difficult to get those that little extra adrenaline flowing when you're facing, if I'm pitching against Mike Trout, obviously it's going to be fun, but I'm not going to try to pound Mike Trout in as hard as I would if I'm wearing a different uniform or he's wearing a different uniform on a different team. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys can really get try to simulate that, and you cannot simulate that until there is somebody else with a different colored uniform in that box. And believe it, there is another phase that you've got to get to, and that's the part that uh, with only three weeks, uh, you know, those guys are going to have to wait until that kicks in. But I, you know, I, I think these guys will be ready to roll by the time the season gets going. I think that um, it is what it is. Everybody falls under the same umbrella, and that's the thing you got to love. Mark, while we're talking about you know some of this too, I do want to get to the schedule that Terry brought up a second ago. You know, in the Angels' case, okay, good. You don't have to play the Yankees. Uh, you're not playing the Red Sox, but you do have to probably play the Dodgers. And you got to have you know ten of your forty games are going to be against the Houston Astros. It's going to be a tough schedule uh, for the Angels. As the time we're taping this now, we don't know what the schedule uh, is exactly going to look like. Uh, but w- what are your thoughts on just the Angels' chances about going up against division opponents? Does the shorter season change how you feel about how the Angels can be? Uh, maybe compared to what you thought about the Angels back, you know, in early March before all of this. Yeah, I mean, to well, me, I think the advantage Angels from the standpoint of with Otani now being healthy, with Griffin Canyon, you feel like both those guys were our key guys in your rotation. Now you feel like you're going to uh, be able to take that wrapper off them and send them out there where at the beginning of the season you would not. Angels have traditionally got off to some slow starts in recent years. That cannot happen you could get buried so fast so they have got to jump off to that good start listening to joe Madden, and there's nobody better than joe i i i've known joe forever i love everything that joe brings to the table he will have these guys mentally ready he's talked about the importance he doesn't like to put the importance on hey we've got to win tonight but he says it is there it's a real thing so i expect uh you know, again that the Angels will, are going to get out of that good start. I like what I see. As you start looking at one of the factors for the Angels, offensively you can look at this lineup. Man, it is a very talented lineup from top to bottom when you start looking at how they could how they could put it together. The thing that I really love, and this is what keeps teams in the game always, is defense. This is a unbelievable defensive team that the Angels have that will be out there. That keeps you in games. So I, I definitely like that pitching side of it. Obviously, the things that I just mentioned are, are critical with Otani and Canny. You feel like they're going to at least start out being healthy and in that rotation where you would not have had that at the start of the season. So that's a bonus for the Angels. Uh, and, and you're going to see a lot of teams are in the same boat. Everybody's in the same boat, the depth of organizations. And I think the Angels proved it last year with looking at a lot of different faces, especially in that rotation. Uh, you know, Patrick Sandoval kind of came on towards the end. I really like what I saw out of Sandoval. So, Dylan Peters, all these guys are going to be those fringe guys that 
can really make a difference in this season, certainly out of the start. Terry, I know that you were wanting to jump in there, too, talking about just what the Angels can be. Has your thought on, on this team's chances changed in the last three months? Well, to some degree, and, and Mark really uh, hit it on the head with um, Otani certainly appearing to be ready when the regular season starts from a pitching standpoint. He knew he was going to be able to DH. Um, you know, Griffin Canning, that would be an extra bonus. We'll see how he develops during uh, the, the spring training that we're going to have here shortly. The, the, the other thing that um, comes to mind, and, and Mark mentioned it as well, you better get off to a good start. I mean, it, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be a playoff team. And, and the, 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 the one thing that comes to mind last year for me was that start that Seattle had. They were 13-2 and two after 15 games. That, that was one of the uh, best starts ever for a major league team. I think there were only 17 major league teams in the history of the game that ever got off to a 13-2 and two record after their first 15 games. And then Seattle ended up uh, losing 94 games. So there's no guarantee a quick start going to uh, take you to the promised land, so to speak. But in a 60-game season, if you get off to um, you know, a 2-13 and 13 start after 15 games, well, that, that's probably uh, putting you in the, in, in the grave, so to speak, because you're just not going to have enough time to, to come back from a, a dreadful start. And the other thing, and uh, you know, I, I think it, we, we could see it, if there are some teams that get off to really bad starts, and, you know, I'm talking maybe after 20 games, say they only have five or six wins, uh, then, then those players know after 20 games that a third of their season is already over, and, and they're already close to 10 games under 500, and they only have 40 games to not only get back to 500, but have to get over 500. You could see some teams, I'm not saying that they're going to uh, quit, but they could certainly go in the tank. I mean, it, it just becomes demoralizing if you get off to a start like that. So, so there, there can certainly be some teams in that category early in the season, several weeks into the season. And then uh, if it does happen, you're kind of hoping those teams are uh, going to be teams that you're going to be playing the rest of the year. They're either in your division or in the corresponding division in, in the other leagues. So, uh, again, th- this is going to be a bizarre season uh, for the players, um, for the fans, for the broadcasters. It's going to be like nothing we've ever experienced before, and it'll be a lot better if you get off to a, a, a good start because at least you know you haven't taken yourself out of the, the season before it almost gets started. and. And, uh, you know, if the Angels can stay healthy, I think they're going to be competitive this season. I mean, there's obviously some question marks with this team. I don't know that offense is a big question mark, and neither is defense in my my mind. But um, it's going to boil down to how the Angels pitch. And if they can just pitch better than they have in recent seasons, well, then uh, maybe that 60-game schedule will work in the Angels' favor. It's going to be a wild ride. There's no question about that. And it's going to be fascinating once it all happens, how this thing all unfolds. So many questions. I've never gone into a season uh, with as many questions as what we're seeing right now. And, and I do appreciate you guys uh, trying, to, trying to answer as many of them. We're going to get 60 games of you two together. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, before we let you go, uh, just maybe Mark first and then Terry. 
just how have you been getting ready for this season? Is there anything that you've kind of done differently in your preparation in this, you know, how you're spending your time these days? Well, from my standpoint, you know, you had everything ready to go in spring training, and then right. the, it comes to a screeching halt. Uh, and then uh, it, so there's been, there's been moments during the negotiations where you start ramping it up. And, and I'm not going to lie, there was like two or three times I had to go, wait a minute, what were the web pages that I used to get all the information? You had to recalculate all that stuff and get it all into play. Uh, but as you as we got closer and closer, you saw that there's going to be a deal coming together here. So I, you know, we're I think we're ready. And with there's so many question marks, as Terry just talked about, and you've talked about, uh, uh, this is going to be a completely different look. And there's going to be a lot of things as as we always talk about moving parts. There is a boatload of moving parts coming up here in 2020. But I am excited to finally see this angel group get together, get out on the field, compete. Let's that bell ring. Let's get things going. Yeah, let's play some baseball. You know, Trent, on, on my side, yeah. you had alluded to it earlier about, um, you know, we heard Joe Madden uh, talk uh, before uh, we're doing this podcast. But uh, Joe Joe hit on something I, I just wanted to share with our listeners, and I, I think he was he made a very astute observation. He said he can he can sum up what's been going on in the process to get the, the resumption of play and, and looking forward to when the season does begin and eventually ends. He said it's going to be inconvenient and uncomfortable. And he said he wanted to make sure from the very first day of spring training 2.0 that the players are aware of it and understand it. But he also said he doesn't want it to become a distraction. And I, I thought he summed it up perfectly because if, if, no matter what role you serve in this game, us as broadcasters or, uh, you know, the role the players serve on the field or the um, manager and the coaching staff serve, if you start thinking about how inconvenient this season is and how uncomfortable it is because it's not the norm, well, you don't want to get caught up in all of that because um, it'll be bad for you in whatever role you serve. So, you know, we know what the guidelines are going to be from our aspect as broadcasters. Uh, we'll we'll uh, try to deal with it the best we can. Um, will it be uncomfortable? Sure, it will. Will there be some inconveniences? Sure, there will. But we're not going to let that affect us. And hopefully the players and, and the, the coaching staff don't allow that to affect them. And if you can get over those obstacles that will be there, when, when the season begins and as the season moves on, if you can just get rid of those obstacles and not let them uh, consume your thought process and anything else, well, then you, you figure to be able to get through the, the season with, without any negatives, and, and then we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out. And the other thing I want to say, and it kind of goes back to when we first got started today, you know, I know Mark had said, and I agree with him, that there were uh, – there, there were really no winners or losers as far as this is concerned from a, a player standpoint and ownership standpoint. But, but to take it one step further, for me, there, there were clearly losers in this. And the losers have been the fans, and, and I feel their pain. I'm a fan of the game, and, and I haven't been happy with it. So, uh, and the other part of this is the, the, all the, the game day employees 
uh, for all the teams around the country. They're clearly losers in all this, and, and it's very unfortunate. So, you know, my, my thoughts go out to, to those people as well, the fans and, and also the, the periphery of people that are surrounding this game. We're going to play games with no fans in the ballpark. That means there will be no workers at the stadium. Uh, it's going to be an eerie situation uh, here, but we'll fight through it in 2020, and, and hopefully we'll get all this behind us when when we start up the 2021 season. Well, Terry, I'm glad you said that. And if there's one thing I know about the listeners of this podcast and Angels fans and, and people, just Americans out there, man, I know we're a resilient bunch, and I'm looking forward to the day we can all can enjoy baseball together in the ballpark. In the meantime, this is what we got, 60 games, and I'm looking forward to it uh, for one. And really appreciate you, Terry, and Mark as well, for coming on uh, here in this podcast today to, to have this conversation can't wait to hear you guys on the radio soon calling baseball games. Finally, we know what's going to happen here in 2020. Thanks so much, guys. Man, I tell you what, sure good to hear from Terry Smith and Mark Langston on the radio together. It's got me fired up. I'm ready to go now. Enough with the nonsense and negotiations and all that. That's behind us. Time to focus on what's here, and that is baseball. I wanted to touch on this for just a moment. I don't know how many people saw this in the Orange County Register. It was in the L.A. Times. Uh, Bill Shagan had a whole piece about what is to come in Anaheim and the Angels' plans for what they're going to do with the 153 acres surrounding the ballpark and if there's going to be a new ballpark or if there's going to be renovations made uh, to the existing ballpark. Whatever the Angels decide to do, those renderings looked awesome, and I'm fired up about what's to come. It looks like hotels and offices and more housing and parks and you know places to hang out before and after games. I think this is going to be so good for the culture of being an Angels fan, and we're going to all be together in this, and, and hopefully by the time this all happens, there's no more coronavirus and we got a vaccine, and, and we can all enjoy and embrace being together and the unity that comes with having a passion for a team, especially a team that's like a family in the Angels, and to have that I, I think is incredibly exciting, and it looks like all of this is coming. It's going to be like a new downtown, basically, in Anaheim, so it's going to be, you know, kind of like Chicago or, or Petco or so many other places that are like this, uh, now you're going to have a chance to see that with the Angels. And, you know, the Ducks have plans over on the other side of the 57, over by Honda Center as well, and, and they have their thing going. And, and with the plans happening on our side of the 57, I think it's going to be great for the city of Anaheim. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, that community, that culture that's going to come from this, uh, for me, is bigger than anything else. And, uh, yes, it's going to be a great way to show off Orange County to, to visitors coming from all over the world to see Angels baseball. Uh, but I think that it's going to be for us, too, to have that experience uh, of a, a true you know downtown-like ballpark atmosphere that doesn't just start and end with the nine innings you see on the field. It's going to get going a lot earlier, and it's going to end a lot later, and it's going to be a, a wonderful experience when all that happens. You know, the, the timetable is fluid. Uh, it could take a long time for this to all come together, but I don't care because when it does, it's going to be worth it, and I'm, I'm okay waiting because uh, it's going to be awesome to see this thing done right. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Hey, thanks, everybody, uh, not just for joining us on the podcast today, but you know, for sticking with us through this whole time of the uncertainty in baseball. And I know that we have the, the, the best and most passionate fans in the world. So especially those that listen to this podcast, I know how much you love and care about Angels baseball. And, and sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. 
and it seems like we've at least ridden out the storm for the most part. I know games still have to happen. There, there is an element of luck that has to take place, but everything that can be controlled now has been. There may be some uncontrollable circumstances out there, but um, at least for right now, it looks like we got baseball coming back. It's really exciting. Again, the day that we can all be together will be a great one. At the very least, we can enjoy this. Thanks to Terry Smith and Mark Langston as well for joining us here on this podcast. I had that pretty cool roundtable discussion. It's got me pumped for what the angels in 2020 can be I've, i i tell you this i have not lost that uh, because this team can be really special and uh, maybe even here in 2020 through all the adversity uh, maybe the angels end up being the team that rises to the top who knows we got 60 games to sort it out and then the playoffs and it all is going to be lots and lots of fun have a great rest of your day my name is trent rush and thank you for joining us here on the angels recap podcast Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.